Welcome to the Josh Blair Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. When I was approached to come speak this morning, I began to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to tell your people? What do you want to speak to their hearts? What is it that you want to do in this house? What plans do you have for this house? For its future and for the people. And as I began to seek the Lord, I believe that He spoke to me this word this morning. So I'm going to deliver it to you. And any time that we approach the word, I always, in a corporate setting like this, I like to ask a corporate question that we seek to answer together as we dive into God's word. I think it's helpful for us to be expecting the word of God to answer the questions we have this morning. So this is the question that I pose for us this morning. What do we do when we've experienced pain and loss, when we've been hurt and we're confused? What do we do? Where do we turn? How should we respond? This is the question that we're going to answer, and I believe the answer is found in Isaiah chapter 42. So if you have your word with me, you can turn there. As we approach God's word this morning. And before we read, can we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life. That is, it is our direction in life. That you speak directly to our hearts. God, that this ancient text is very applicable for us today. That it is a living word. And we ask God that you would speak to us directly, Holy Spirit, from your word this morning. God, we come with great expectation because any time that we gather together in your name, you say that you are here in our midst. So, Father, we come and we open your word today. Let it be a light to our path. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the prophet Isaiah, he writes this text in chapter 42, 600 years before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, before his birth. And he's writing to the nation of Israel. Now, I know that all of you are probably Bible scholars, so everything that I'm about to tell you, you probably already know, but Israel was the chosen people of God, right? They are the promised people. They were promised to their father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they would be a people greater than the stars in the sky, greater than the sand on the seashore, yes? They are a promised people. They are a chosen people. They are a blessed people. They were a people who who uh, were found in slavery in Egypt, and God came and delivered them. By using His his powerful right hand, He said that He brought them out of of slavery and bondage, and He led them through the wilderness for 40 years. They are a people who established a kingdom under great kings like King David, who had great victories, and they also had defeats. They had a long history. But now, at this point in the text, this point in Prophet Isaiah is writing, he's writing to them after a horrible event has happened to their nation and to their people. He's writing to them because they have been utterly destroyed and carried away captive by an enemy named Babylon. Do you know this story? They came in, the possessions were taken from them, their land was taken from them, the best of the best of their people were taken from them, and they were left destitute and alone. And they are broken. And in this situation, this is when 
Isaiah writes, and the people, I can only imagine, the text doesn't tell us the questions they're asking, but I can only imagine they're, they're wondering these questions like, like, is God still with us? Is God still for us? If God was in control, why did this happen to us? Maybe they even asked this question, is God still God? And yet I can't help but, but think about our own current situation, our own life situation and circumstances, and we ask ourselves these very same questions, don't we? Is God still in control? Does God still love me? Does He still have a plan for my life? Does He still have a plan for our church? Is God still God? And when he, he asks these questions, the prophet Isaiah writes. And the reason the people of Israel found themselves in this situation was because of the ugliness of sin. It says that there are disobedience and their sin against God and their sin against each other caused this destruction to come in. And sin has that very same uh, effect on us today. Sin has the same kind of consequence in us. It separates us from God, and it separates us from each other. But can I tell you something? There's good news today. Because that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus came, He lived a perfect life, victorious, showed us how to live. Then He went to the cross and He died to wash all of our sin away, to give us an eternal hope and an eternal salvation in Him. So there is hope that sin doesn't have to have the final word. Amen? Sin may still have a sting of earthly consequence, but it doesn't have to have an eternal one. We may feel the pain and the loss and the confusion of what sin does to us here on earth, but it doesn't have to last forever. Because Jesus gives us a promise for tomorrow. This is what the, the prophet Isaiah says. Verse 1, and you have it there for me? Thank you, Sam. Pastor Sam. Verse 1 says this, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now I said Isaiah wrote this 600 years before the birth of Christ, but, pro but Isaiah was a prophet, yes? So he spoke of things that were to come that were not yet. And in this passage, this very first verse who do you think he's speaking of? He's speaking of Jesus. Why do we know that? Because Jesus is called the servant of the Most High God who says he came to serve and not be, and not be served. He is the servant of God. He's also the chosen one, isn't he? Who God upheld uh, in, in the earth for us to know and to look towards. Who, who we hold up today. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. This is who prophet, the prophet Isaiah is speaking of 600 years before he shows up on the scene. He talks about Jesus, the chosen one, the called of God, who will bring justice to the nations. And in this very first verse, we're going to go through 1 through 9, but this very first verse gives us a solid answer to answering the question, what do we do in situations that we've been hurt, there's pain and loss, and we're confused? What does he say? Behold my servant. Behold Jesus. What does it mean to behold? It means to take hold of. It means to look to. 
The, the author and the finisher of our faith, the one who restores us, the one who redeems us, the one who pours his life out for us. Behold him. Look to him. Another way to behold Jesus or hold on to Jesus is a simple understanding of trust. Yes? We trust Jesus. But what does trust practically look like? I'm a very practical person. I, I like to know how to do something if I'm going to say the word says to do it. How do I do that? Well, trust is, very, is a very interesting thing to talk about because we trust in a lot of things every day and we don't even think about it, right? Like we trust that these chairs are going to hold us up when we sit down. Thank God that they do. These are good chairs. You guys have wonderful chairs. You trust the chairs that you're sitting in. But another thing that you also trust in is that you trust that the sun's going to rise tomorrow, right? Do any of you lie awake at night wondering if the sun's going to come up? No, you, you believe and you know and you trust that the sun's going to go down at a certain time, the sun's going to rise at a certain time. In fact, if you have a smartphone, you could pull it out, you could tell me exactly by the minute when the sun's going to set tonight and when it's going to rise in the morning. It's a wonderful app for us as beekeepers because we need to know when the bees need to get out in the field if we have them on the truck for moving bees. Because if you try to move bees in the middle of the day, they're going to let you know they're not very happy with you. So you know, you know that the, tr the sun is going to rise. You trust that it's going to do what it always does. But is the sun dependent on your trust to do what it always does? It's not. The sun is not dependent on you to trust in it for it to come through for you. Jesus is the very same way. Jesus is not dependent on your trust to do what he said he's going to do in your life. But what does trust do for us? Trust helps us rest assured that in the morning Jesus is coming through for us. Trust helps us rest assured in knowing that He is on His way. If you don't trust the sun's going to rise, I can guarantee you, you're not going to sleep well tonight. You're going to be wrestling, anxious, in turmoil, knowing the night's never going to end. But if you can rest knowing the sun is going to rise, you can sleep in peace. And Jesus is speaking to you today. Trust in me like you trust the sun's going to rise. Because I'm coming through for you. I'm showing up for you. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do in your life. Not dependent on your trust, but dependent on my strength. As the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Isn't he good? Oh, he's so good. He's coming through for us. And he's not dependent on your strength. Because he's strong enough. But all you have to do is hold on to Him. Declare in your heart, I trust you, Jesus. What does trust look like? It looks like peace. It looks like hope for tomorrow. God, I'm not anxious. I'm not wrestling. I'm not worried. You're still in control. I trust you. I hold on to you. Because you're always dependable. More dependable than the sunrise. The sun one day will burn out, but Jesus' light will never burn out. Amen? Mm, God is so good. This is what he says in verse 2. Verse 2 says, He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. What does that mean? We're asking the question, what do we do when we're hurt, when we're, when we're broken, when, we need, when we're in need of healing? He says, I'm not going to come in loud and boisterous, making myself known, shaking the doors. I'm going to come in gently, quietly, in peace, bringing healing. Do you ever notice that? Is it okay if I come down here? Yes. 
Do you ever notice how in hospitals they always say quiet, please? Because quietness is, is conducive for healing. There's something about the quietness that brings peace that helps people heal. And Jesus, in our hurting times, doesn't come in with a shout. He comes in with peace. He comes in gently, like a good shepherd. He comes over here to Jason, and he sits next to Jason. You're okay. He says, Jason, I love you. I'm here for you. I know your pain. I know your struggle. I know your confusion. But I'm not leaving you. I'm right here with you. He walks up next to us. He says, Joaquin. He comes over here to Joaquin. He says, I love you. I'm here for you. I know your struggle. I know your pain. I'm with you. I'm with you. He walks with us. He stands beside us. In, gent in gentleness. When we're in pain and hurting, we don't need somebody who's audaciously yelling out, Hey, I'm here! We don't need that. When, you're, when you have a broken bone, you don't need someone up shaking you over. Hey, my arm is broken. Give me a little bit of space. Just sit quietly with me. Jesus knows how to sit quietly with you. When I was in the back, during our worship, the Lord spoke something to me that I didn't have in my notes. He says, your victory is in your shout, but your strength and healing is in the quiet place. Amen. He reminded me of the story of Jericho. They demonstrated their strength and their faith and obedience and quietness as they walked around the walls. And the Lord said, I am with you. And in those moments then, he said, now shout and demonstrate that you're not shouting for victory, but you're shouting from victory because I'm already with you and I've already established my will and your way and my way in your life. And God is saying to you today, I come to you in the quiet place. Have you been quiet with the Lord? Have you sat quietly with him, allowing him to do the things that no one else knows about? To touch the hurts that no one else knows? The pain that no one else sees? The struggle that no one else has, knows anything about? It's in the quiet place that he'll bring healing. It's in the quiet place that he restores. That's what God is doing today in us and in you. He comes. The beautiful thing that, the God, that, that Jesus does is demonstrated as he's the, it talks about the fivefold gospel in our Pentecostal tradition. One of those areas is the spirit baptizer. Jesus is the spirit baptizer. He gives to us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is known as the comforter. The one who comes alongside us, comforts us. It's also known, uh, the, the Holy Spirit's name is also referred to as the Spirit of Christ. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit in that way. Because He represents Christ to us. He points, when, when He's with us, He points us always back to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, comes. The Spirit of Christ comes, just like this in Isaiah 42. And He tells us, I come quietly and gently. He says, a bruised reed, verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break, a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. What I like, I have some images. Can you put up that first one? Of the bruised, bruised reed? Yes. This is a bruised reed. 
A bruised reed did not get this way because of something it did to itself. A bruised reed happens because of something happening to it. Something came along and caused it to be bruised, caused it to be injured, caused it to fall over. And the scripture tells us a bruised reed he will not break. What does that mean? That Jesus knows that even in, uh, in situations of circumstance or when you've been injured or something that has hurt you and bruised you, he doesn't want you to break off from the body of Christ. He doesn't want you to fall away. He sees the value and the potential in you and says, I'm going to come alongside those who have been bruised and injured and I'm going to make sure that I can bring them back upright. I'm going to stand them back upright and make sure that the Spirit of my Spirit, the Spirit of the living God is dwelling within them that they can be healed and they can bear much fruit in the kingdom of God. Amen. A bruised reed will not bear fruit. It can't sustain the weight of it. So Jesus knows before they can bear fruit, I must heal them. I must put them right back in the right position. I'm going to put my stint of the Word of God and community of people that love them and love each other. I'm going to make sure they stand upright so they can bear fruit. He doesn't break it off and say it's worthless. He says there's value. There's value in the bruised reed. Now the faintly burning wick. This is something that nearly lost its light. That has burned up a lot of its fuel. Something that, that is nearly quenched out. It, it makes me think of, of campfires. Anybody go camping like to go camping? You no, know, you have your burning fire overnight. You wake up in the morning. All there is is, is embers glowing. And, and you have a choice in that moment. Either you dump water on it, you put it out, and then it's, you just move on. Or you add more fuel to it so that it can burn again. Yes? So that it can create heat and light again and be valuable again. But a, a, in the, in, in a, burning, a burning wick is, is doesn't cast off the heat and the light that it's supposed to. And in moments of pain and turmoil, sometimes our response is just to do more. When we, when we are in, in, in situations of confusion, we, we can get, those of us who are strong-willed and a little bit stubborn can say, well, bless God, I'm just going to put my head down and I'm just going to keep running. Bless God, I, I don't care what has happened. It's just me and God anyway. I don't need anybody else. I'm just going to run. Like, I'm just going to put my head down and run. But when we do that, we begin to burn up the fuel uh, that's inside of us, the things that are inside our spirit, because we can only run, run so long like that. We can only run so long without having people around us and community around us and, and believers around us that, that can help us. And we can only run so long under our own power before we burn ourselves out. And in situations where we, we can either respond by withdrawal or we can, we can jump all in, but we try to do it under our own power, under our own passion, and we begin to burn ourselves up. But Jesus is saying here in verse 3, a faintly burning wick he will not quench, meaning he wants to come alongside of us and pour into us resources and fueling of the Holy Spirit that will ignite that fire again inside of us. That you may say, I'm sitting here and I'm feeling burnt up and burnt out. I feel like I don't have any more to give. Well, that's a beautiful place to be because you only have one direction to look. And that's to Jesus. Saying, Jesus, fill me up again. 
Restore me again. Build up the fire and the passion of who you are in me again. Don't let my light go out. Don't let me just be a smoldering wick. Help me, Lord, to represent you to everybody that I come in contact with, everybody that I encounter, everyone in this community and in this city. Don't let my light go out. And even if you're discouraged, Jesus is never discouraged. Even if you grow weary, He doesn't grow weary. Even if you want to give up, He never gives up. How do I know this? Because verse 4 says it plainly. He will not grow faint or be discouraged. Tell the, tell, he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for His law. Jesus, again, isn't dependent on your strength because He is strong enough. And He will see things through till the end. All you have to do is hold on to Him. Amen. Hold on to Him. Yes, Don't give up. Because He doesn't give up. He never quits. Verse 5 tells us. He doesn't quit because our Lord God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. Because He is God. Is God still in control? Yes, He is. He's the creator of the universe. He stretched out the earth and the heavens and the universe. And He gives breath to all of us here on earth. Everything, every creature on earth, God gives His breath. And He puts His spirit within us. Is He still God? He is. He's still in control. So we don't have to give up. We just need to hold on. He's still the one who's calling the shots. We just need to trust Him. Our God, the Spirit of God, dwells within us because God desires to move in us, desires to pour out His Spirit in us and through us. And this last part of the the verses 6-9, through I believe, is a prophetic word to this church, to this house. As I began to pray, asking the Lord, what would He have me speak to you? He gave me these verses, and these last three verses, I believe, is what God is going to do in this house as He, as he continues to restore, build up, and strengthen. I believe these words are, are part of your future. Verse 6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Are you encouraged that God has called you in His righteousness? Not your righteousness. Your righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. But it's His righteousness He bestows to you when you love Him and you trust Him. He says, other people might call you something else, but I call you righteous. And I call you in my righteousness. And I take you by the hand and I lead you. And I keep you. Maybe you're worried about stumbling and falling. But it's a lot easier to get back up when someone has your hand, isn't it? Who walks with you. He said, I'm not leaving you. In fact, I'm leading you. I haven't turned my back on you. If you feel that way, it's because I'm dragging you. 
Come with me. I'm leading you to a future with a purpose and a promise. What is the promise? To be light to the nations. He says, I'm making you a people to lead others to the foot of the cross. I'm making you a people that will be a light in dark places. I'm making you a people that say, yeah, this may be a a bad neighborhood, but I call it a blessed neighborhood because you are here in the midst of it. Amen. God is calling you to be light in dark places. Not to stay huddled up and huddled in, but to find strength and encouragement in this place that leads you to go out and spread the light to the darkness. Amen? Verse 7 says this, To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. This church's future and destiny is to set the captive free. This church's destiny and purpose is to go to those who are blind, both physically and spiritually, and declare to them that they will see in Jesus' name. Those who may have a physical ailment, you can declare healing because Jesus bought their healing on the cross of Calvary. And you can declare opening their eyes of their spirit to see out of the darkness to the light of who Jesus is, the Redeemer and the Savior of the world. That's what's going to happen here in this place. Because people need Jesus. People are in, in captivity. They're in prison. Prison to sin. Prison to bondage. Even those who are literally in prison. You're going to be a voice of comfort and of peace, of reconciliation and restoration. I declare it over this house this morning. Amen. This is what's happening. Amen. Come on, give praise to Jesus. Just lift your hands for 10 seconds and tell Him, Jesus, we thank You. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this house. He's not done with us yet. It ain't over till it's over. (laughs) It's a good saying. And he's going to do it for his glory. The beautiful thing about coming out of places of brokenness is that when crazy, amazing things happen, people don't look to those who are broken and say, how did you do that? You can't get the credit for the things that God's going to do. Only He gets the credit. The reason He likes to use those who are broken and hurting is because people can't look at their strength and say, oh, it must have been all of their ability. No, He comes in when, when, when we're at our lowest and says, I'm going to do amazing things in you and through you. Because of the things that you've walked through. In spite of your pain, there's going to be hope. There's going to be restoration. There's going to be joy when you shouldn't have joy. There's going to be peace when you shouldn't have peace. And he says in verse verse 8, he says this, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor praise to carved idols. He says, what I'm going to do in you, no one else can get the credit. I'll receive all the glory to the things that are going to be done in this church and in this house. And in verse 9, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is what I believe the Lord's doing in this house this morning.
Behold, the old things have passed, but new things I'm going to do. New things I declare to you, and I tell you of them far before they happen. So mark this day on your calendar as the day that you knew and it had been declared to you that this house would be a house of healing, that this house would be a house of hope. This would be a house that opened up blinded eyes and set the captives free. Write it down. This is the day it happened far before I ever saw it happen in ways that God's going to do it. He declared them to us. He declared it to me. His plans and His purposes will still come to pass. Even this morning, He declares them to you. So what is the Lord saying to us this morning? In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of confusion, hold on to Jesus. Take hold of Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He will bring healing. He will restore. He will see His plans come to pass in your life. Not because of your strength, but because of His. And He's moving and doing a new thing. Not only in this house, but in you. Individually, He's doing a new thing in you. In your hearts. In your families. In your neighborhood. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. Amen? God is doing a new thing. He's on the move. So... so this is what I believe that we need to do. Anytime the word of God is, is presented and preached, we need to respond. So Pastor Tracy, as you'll come, I believe that we need to respond to this message with a time at the altar. Those of you who are experiencing hurt and pain and confusion... I believe the Lord is saying to you, come and meet me at the altar and in a quiet place here with you and the Lord. Come find healing, restoration, and hope. For those of you who say, I'm not in that place, but I want to be in a place where what you're speaking of will come to pass, opening up blinded eyes and setting the captives free. Then, I, need, I, then I, I believe you need to respond as well to the Lord and come down to the altar and say, Lord, I want what you have for me, all of it. Not just a piece, not just half. I want the whole of who you are and the whole of what you're doing in me and in this place to come to pass. And as a statement of faith, I step out in faith and come and meet you at the altar. Believing and declaring the good things that you're doing in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my neighborhood, at my work. I believe, God, that you will use me to be a light in dark places. I believe, God, that you will use me to open up blinded eyes. I believe, God, that you will do a new thing in me that you've declared over me in this place this morning. Are you ready to respond? Come on, let's stand and come to the altar. Let's meet the Lord Jesus and declare, God, I want all of you. I want every piece, every part. Yes, Jesus. Hey, this is Pastor Josh Blair. You've just listened to a message I spoke at Hosanna Worship Center in beautiful Madera, California. Just want to say thank you for listening.